often the problem is not the problem. And that's why they say hurt people hurt people. You know, when, when you've been wounded and you've been hurt or you're not having the best day or at your best, we can tend to take that out on other people. You guys might find this hard to believe, but I just joined a passive aggressive club. And you know what the first rule of this passive aggressive club is? You know what? Never mind. Forget it. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 129. So good to be back with you. It has been a while. I'd pre-recorded an episode, so now I'm back in the flesh and good to be with you. Good to be alive and kicking and feeling blessed in many ways. So uh, before we get into the podcast, remember, if this is your first time listening, welcome. Uh, if you're a long-time listener and you have not yet done so, both of y'all, rate and review this podcast, please. That would really help us out. And uh, don't just leave a rating. Leave also a review. Let us know. Uh, give us your feedback. You can do that also on our website at uh, manafoodforthought.com, all spelled out. You can also connect with us on our social media there. Uh, and if this podcast is enjoyable to you, share it with people on social media, preferably on Instagram. You can tag us at mana food for thought all spelled out or at mana F the number four T on Twitter. And on our website, you can see all of our blog and podcast content. And when you hit the homepage, you can click on the Patreon tab and become a sponsor for as little as $1 a month because this podcast does cost money and we rely on the generosity of our listeners. And we're so grateful for that. And remember, if you're a patron and you do that, you get perks. And so thank you for our patrons and all that you do. And shout out to all of you who um, who do that. I'm so grateful. So without further ado, let's get into Joy, Junk, and Jesus for this episode. So... My joy is that I've had a lot of really awesome family and friend time um, over the past um, few weeks. Um, we were able to get dinner with some some new friends, um, and I was able to see um, my good friend Stephanie from New Mexico in person. Uh, we went to a family wedding, uh, had a really great RCIA session. I was able to go to Las Vegas with some friends um, for kind of a business and birthday trip. And I uh, got to go to Catholic Answers Conference with my family. And so it's just been a really full week of a lot of different, or a couple weeks of a lot of different out of the ordinary things. And they've really been such a blessing. And so my Jesus moment really has been all of those things. But I would say especially seeing Stephanie, just like the amount of joy and just like, like I wanted to cry tears of joy the entire time I was there with her and her family and my kiddos at the beach. And um, just, you know, we've had a, a, a friendship, a very spiritually grounded friendship that we share reflections on the, go- the daily gospel every single day. And we've been doing that for like seven or eight years, every single day. And that has just been incredible. Um, and I haven't seen her in in person in about six or seven years. So yeah, it was just, just a gift. Um, so yeah, I was going to, you know, do an episode on, um, kind of on the, the, the fruits of all of that and really kind of, I might do this next time, but like really, uh, really just trying to focus in on like, what are you saying yes to? And what are you saying no to, you know, kind of that, that gospel passage from Matthew five and the sermon on the Mount, I think it's five thirty seven where, Jesus says, let your yes mean yes and your no mean no. Anything more is from the evil one. And really like saying yes to the right things. And that involves saying no to certain things and like prioritizing these things that may not be routine, but really bring life into your 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 day, into your week, into your family, and really prioritize like friendship and relationships, family, and those things that matter most. And, you know, so I might still do a podcast on that, but 
I feel like I talk about that kind of stuff a lot, like really, you know, prioritizing the things that matter most and, you know, disconnecting from the noise and the things that don't matter. But my junk, which I didn't share, um, is really what inspired this kind of last minute change. And that is just people, man. Um, you know, there's just been a handful of people. And I've been reminded lately just from some other reflecting I've been doing of some people in the past who um, I've just had conflict with in one way or another. And I've really been trying to think about like in a charitable way, like how could I have done better? What can I still do um, to help reconcile this? And do I need to? Like, do I have a responsibility to do anything else, you know? Um, and it, it just got me thinking about like, you know, we know when we do something wrong in the Christian worldview or the Christian, you know, Catholic teaching, like, is that you need to seek forgiveness and we need to forgive others. But like, what do you do if someone just doesn't like, like you, or is just like throwing stuff at you? And maybe there's no real fault, you know, no one is intending to harm the other person, but like, I don't know, there's just, you just don't vibe you know, with a person and like, how do you handle that in a charitable way? Cause that can be so frustrating. And I think we encounter a lot of people like that in our lives. Like we encounter people that just kind of irk us or rub us the wrong way. And we're kind of forced into interactions with them because we have a class with them. We work with them. Maybe they're even a member of our own family or they marry into the family or whatever it may be. And we get kind of stuck in these situations where we're just like, I don't really know what to do. You know, I, I don't, you know, I want to kind of like write this person off or even dislike them but I can't, you know, it's just not the Christian thing to do, or I'm around them so much. I need to find a way to reconcile this. And so, I don't know, I turned to scripture and I came to a lot of these different, you know, some common uh, phrases in scripture about reconciling and what to do, you know, if you sin against a brother or something like that. But, you know, I think all of them together really kind of help point me in a certain direction. And so um, I want to offer them to you and maybe talk about them a bit. But uh, the first one is in Proverbs 15. It's just one verse. Uh, the first verse of Proverbs 15, it says a, a mild answer, or you could say a gentle answer, gentle response, a mild answer turns back wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. I think it can be really easy, especially for me to be like sassy or snarky or write people off or try and make a joke out of something, uh, even if it makes people uncomfortable because um, I'm just trying to process it and figure it out. And I feel like making light of it makes it less intimidating maybe, or makes it feel as though like it's not this big burden or beast that I have to tackle, but it's just just a reality, you know, and we just kind of got to live with it. And I think there's some uh, some good in that. You know, it's it's not turning, uh, you know, a molehill into a mountain um, or what's that phrase? Making a mountain out of a molehill, you know, um, turning something into something humongous that doesn't need to be. Um, but I also think sometimes it can be a, a kind of backdoor or trapdoor to just uh, not really dealing with the situation. So I think if you find yourself in a situation where, well, I'm gonna get into the rest of these scriptures. Let's do that. Yeah. And then, and then we'll, we'll kind of assess these. Um, Matthew five in the Sermon on the Mount, you've probably heard this one before. Jesus is saying like, if you bring your gift to the altar and then you're there and you recall that your brother has anything against you, leave your gift there at the altar and go first and be reconciled with your brother and then come and offer your gift. And this goes back to the very earliest days in the church when uh, they were setting up the structure for the Mass. And you can read this in the writings of the Church Fathers about the Eucharist, what they believed, and how the liturgy looked, is that from the very beginning, like the very first centuries of the church, we had a sign of peace so that you could be reconciled to one another. And we had some kind of confession or confidior, which we have now, I confess to you, Almighty God, and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned. Um, 
we say that so that we can be reconciled to God and to each other. And so there's this recognition that we are built for unity. We're meant to be in relationship with one another. Sin, suffering, these kind of distortions of human relationship, they shouldn't be part of our world. But because we're fallen, because we are broken and we're messy, these things exist, these different rifts between people. And so if you know of these things, Scripture is saying, like, you need to go and be reconciled. Um, but it's also talking about that this is your brother. Now, this is talking specifically about, like, your Christian brother or sister. Like, it's, it was a term that was used for, like, your actual brother, but that term became used in the early church um, to mean your Christian brothers or sisters, and that is the time in which Matthew was writing. And so he's writing out of this context of knowing that the people who read this in the churches would know that we don't, he doesn't just mean your literal brother. He means your brother and sister, okay, who are your you know, fellow Christians, fellow Catholics. Uh, later on in Matthew, Jesus talks about uh, fraternal correction. This is a very often quoted passage, uh, and this is in Matthew 18. And this is, if your brother sins against you, then you should go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. Meaning you don't bring it up to other people. You don't gossip about it. You try and go talk to him like, hey, what's going on? You know, and then if he listens, you've won over your brother. That's great. But if he doesn't listen, then take one or two others along with you so that every fact may be established on the testimony of two or three witnesses. So you don't want to gossip. You want to first be able to verify, like, am I seeing this right? Bring other people with you maybe to try and help to gain a different perspective or involve other people in the situation who can shed light on it and maybe provide assistance. And if he refuses to listen to them, then you tell the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, then treat him as you would a Gentile or a tax collector, meaning, you know, this is not someone you need to keep, you know, trying to bring into the community. They're trying to continually ostracize himself from the community, okay? Um, so that's what Matthew 18 says. And then just some kind of encouraging words or suggestions from Ephesians 4 and Hebrews 12. Ephesians 4 says, All bitterness, fury, anger, shouting, and reviling must be removed from you, along with all malice. And be kind to one another, compassionate, forgiving one another as God has forgiven you in Christ. So to recognize as Christians, we cannot have lives or relationships that are characterized by bitterness Fury, anger, shouting, reviling, or malice. Like, we really need to be conscious of that. Scripture is saying directly those things are not part of who you were created to be and how God has forgiven you in Christ, and you need to extend that forgiveness to others. It says elsewhere in Scripture, I think, you know, if, um, if you do not forgive others, then your Heavenly Father will not forgive you. Um, so recognizing that responsibility that we have. And then in Hebrews 12, this is one of my favorite verses in verse 14. Strive for peace with everyone and for that holiness without which no one will see the Lord. So strive for peace with everyone and for holiness. See to it that no one be deprived of the grace of God, that no bitter root spring up and cause trouble through which many may be defiled. Okay, so we have to be very much on our guard against bitterness, against things that may spring up and cause trouble for people within, you know, our Christian community um, and try and seek peace and unity. So I'm reading all these things, and, you know, all these things obviously are about life within the church, you know, when it comes to other Christians, you know, and it doesn't mean that people who aren't baptized Christians aren't part of the, the body of Christ, like we can treat them differently, like we're called to love everyone. But I do think we have some kind of degree of responsibility, like what is this person's familiarity to me? Are they going to be part of my immediate family? Are they going to be part of my circle? Are they involved in the church I'm at or this ministry or whatever it is? Um those things can be taken into consideration, but I think still our base responsibility 
is kind of what it was saying in um, in Ephesians 4, that you cannot have any bitterness, fury, anger, shouting, and reviling, or malice. That must be removed from you. And it doesn't give a specific, like, only when you're in church, only when you're dealing with your Christian brothers and sisters. Like, no, at all times, those things need to be removed from you. Uh, and I think elsewhere in Scripture, it would say, like, gossip, you know, gossip needs to be removed from you, that we can't use our tongue to slander others, that um, our mouths can cause things to cut like a sword or to bring wisdom and joy to others. You know, so many places in Proverbs, especially where words like that are spoken. And so, I don't know, I've been thinking about this a lot. I've been thinking about some people in my past who, you know, who really blew up at me in the context of ministry uh, because I didn't, I wasn't the person that they wanted me to be for them. Um, You know, they wanted someone who was like an on-call, you know, emotional friend or therapist. And, you know, I'm married. I have a vocation. I have a family. You know, I need to set boundaries. Um, And maybe I let them in too close and then realized that I needed to back off or um, didn't realize they had certain, you know, um, I don't know, difficulties in relationship or attachments, you know. And so in doing so, they, you know, very much fired back and, you know, got hurt and, you know, threatened, you know, going to my pastor and saying all of this, which, you know, is fine if they want to do that. And I told him the situation was just like, hey, they might talk to you just so you know, here's what happened, you know, and nothing ever came of it. But, um, you know, I was open and honest about the whole thing. But I think I still think about those people a lot. And I wish, you know, things had happened differently. And as someone who is in a position of responsibility and authority in the church, I would never want someone's even mistaken assumptions about me to affect how they view God and religion and Catholicism, because they can very easily conflate those two things and then apply all the negative things that they think about faith or religion to that interaction and just assume, oh, everyone's that way, because that's just kind of how our culture is. You know, it's all about um, what canceling people and, um, you know, writing off entire belief systems or, you know, political ideologies or religions simply because we met one person who was hostile or, we think they believe X when, you know, really they don't, or we extremize each other or whatever it is. And um, and I've had other interactions recently where it's just people, you know, who just, you know, don't like me in the way that I do things, and that's fine. And, um, and I, I find it difficult to, um, you know, I reflect on these things and think, like, is there a way I could have done this better without compromising what needed to be done and, you know, the values or the vision that needs to be put in place for you know, the ministry I'm responsible for, the values that I have in my own life. And I know I just, I find that the people who really truly love me and who are willing to act charitably can always see past those things. And so I feel like there's always something underlying, you know, in these interactions. You know, whenever there's hostility in a relationship, whenever you experience kind of this sense of conflict or discomfort between you and another person, you know, the, there's there's something there that is a uh, distortion of a desire. You know, it's some kind of distortion of what the person's expecting or something is going on, you know, and it may have nothing to do with you. And sometimes we act, you know, in a non-charitable way toward other people that has nothing to do with them, you know. Um, if you've ever, you know, yelled at someone in traffic or blown up at the barista or, you know, um, yelled at someone in customer support on a phone for not, you know, on a phone call for not, you know, being able to tell you why something's not happening the way it should, you know, maybe blowing up at any one of those people simply because you're having a hard day, you didn't get enough sleep, you're, you know, other things are irritating you, whatever it is, you know, 
often the problem is not the problem. And that's why they say hurt people hurt people. You know, when, when you've been wounded and you've been hurt or you're not having the best day or at your best, we can tend to take that out on other people. And so, I don't know, I was reflecting on all of this and kind of things that have been happening in my life recently and just, I don't know, doing some self-reflecting. And I thought it would be beneficial to share, like, because I think we all have a desire to be liked. And I'm really feeling like the Holy Spirit convicting me and convicting me to share this with you listeners to convict you as well, that we live in a world that says, like, you need to tolerate everyone, meaning you need to be pleasing and palatable to everyone. And I just want to tell you, like, brothers and sisters, like, your job is not to please everybody. Your job is not to please everyone. Your job is to please God and to show everyone how much God loves them. But sometimes that involves telling hard truth. Sometimes that involves telling people they're walking down a path that's destructive and that is not good for them when no one else will tell them that. Sometimes that involves distancing yourself from people because of your own uh, desire for holiness and you're finding you're compromising your own morality and values when you associate with certain people. Um, so your job is not to be there for everyone, to be present to everyone. You know, when, um, when St. Paul says in scripture, you know, um, I am, I am all things to all people or called to be all things to all people. That doesn't mean that you have to put up with everything and morph to everyone else's will. What it means is that you have to be able and willing to relate the gospel and evangelize to all kinds of people in all kinds of places where the Lord puts you. But that doesn't mean you need to change who you are to please someone else. And, you know, I wonder why, you know, sometimes people react the way that they have toward me and the way I've reacted toward people um, the way I have in other ways. And I think sometimes maybe I've been threatened um, or jealous by good qualities I see in other people that I desire for myself. And I, Instead of admitting that and admitting my own insecurity, it's easier for me to pinpoint things about them that I think are unhelpful or negative or, you know, uh, shy away from the good that they could be doing and assume they're having these nefarious intentions or something like that. It might be easier for me to gossip about them or, you know, kind of pick apart who they are and what they're doing and find some flaw somewhere so I can write off the fact that they have this quality or this life that maybe I desire. And I definitely think people have probably done that to me as well. And I also think sometimes, you know, when I'm thinking about the situations that happened in the past where people kind of wanted things from me um, that, you know, they wanted kind of a comfort or an emotional support that I couldn't give them. um, I think about like what it means to love, you know, going back to what I was saying about tolerating people that, you know, that never really says like, I love you. Like I tolerate you, you know, I'm just going to stand by here when you do whatever with your life. And I'm not going to tell you that you're throwing your life down the toilet or you need to pick up your bootstraps or you need to suck it up or you need to try harder. Um, You know, even though I'm telling you that I love you, I'm not going to offer any sort of uh, correction or uh, guidance or advice um, to allow you to have a happier or more fulfilling life. That's not real love to me, you know, like, Yeah, I just, I would never do that to my children. I want my children to have every opportunity that they're able to have. And I want them to strive and learn and be the best possible humans that they can be. And so that's going to involve like setting certain boundaries and coming up with rules with them that they understand. And that makes sense based on values that we've agreed to as a family. You know, like this is, these are the people we want to be. 
And so we need to live in accordance with that. Um, and that is what it means to love someone. But I think some people are not ready to be loved in that way. And the image I use, and I think I've shared this before, maybe on the podcast, or I know I have in talks, uh, the image of like those stray dogs that have been abandoned or abused when you see them like approached, you know, in a YouTube video by someone who's trying to rescue them. They're all they're used to is getting hurt. That's all they're used to. They're, they're used to getting hurt and they're used to getting abandoned. And so they shy away and it takes so much time and patience on the behalf of these people who try and just get these dogs into their car to take care of them for the dog to trust them enough to at least like get in the car to recognize like there's no further down in the, you know, the depths of rock bottom I could be. I'm going to trust this person. And then eventually they're able to take them, wash them off, give them some food, cut their hair, groom them. And then all of a sudden you see slowly throughout the trajectory of these videos, at least the ones I've watched, them coming around and suddenly becoming this like normal, happy-go-lucky, you know, house pet. And um, not that our goal is to make people in conflict with us our house pets and have them that close to us, you know, but I think a recognition that you don't need to please everyone and that if you're doing things that are really saintly, that are really following what God, what Jesus asked us to do as his disciples and really seeking to love other people, sometimes people will persecute you or blow up at you um, because they're not ready to receive that kind of love. They're not ready because that love might be painful. Like imagine yourself in a dark room and then all of a sudden, you know, you're in there for a long time and then all of a sudden you go outside and the sun is blazing. Like your eyes are just like so overcome you can barely open them. That's why they tell you not to look directly at a solar eclipse. Because when the sunlight is masked by the moon, if you look at it when the sun comes back, that moment, that burst of light from such a powerful light source like the sun can physically blind you. And so I think that same thing is true when it comes to how we love other people. So when it comes to these situations when you're in conflict with people, people rub you the wrong way, or you're noticing there's some kind of tension or discomfort or, you know, they don't like you, you don't like them, you know, whatever it is, I think it's helpful to ask yourself why. Like, why is this happening? Not just write them off, not just start gossiping about them or be like, I don't, I don't believe this person, you know, go venting to someone as some kind of means of therapy, place all the blame on them. I think it really helps to do some self-reflection and ask yourself like, okay, did someone do something wrong? Like objectively wrong, morally. And if that's the case, we need to try and seek forgiveness. And that might be, you need to be the person doing, extending fraternal correction and going and letting them know that what they did was wrong. Uh, in a gentle and loving way, or going to them and seeking forgiveness and admitting what you did was wrong and, you know, um, sharing with them, you know, the grief uh, that you feel at hurting them, at, at, you know, abusing their trust or betraying them and whatever it was, and seeking forgiveness. Um, so was something done, did something happen that was morally wrong? Um, was there just simply a misunderstanding? I think there are so many things that people um, mistakenly believe about one another that lead to so many conflicts. And it's simply because we have different learning styles, working styles, communication styles, different love languages, etc., different Myers-Briggs and Enneagram types. Like we all operate in this world and communicate differently. And we encounter someone who is very opposite us and communicates very differently than we do or processes things differently, works at a different pace or prioritizes different things than we do. Um, then that can be really difficult. You know, one example, I worked with someone for a while who um, we did the Myers-Briggs as a staff, and this person was the exact opposite letter by letter um, than me. And that was very apparent 
all the time, anytime we had to collaborate on anything, anytime we worked together on anything, there was always this kind of tension. I always tried to be very like welcoming and reconciliatory, like how can I help you? How, what, what kind of communication do you need from me? You know, but I always got this sense that like I was, I was rubbing them the wrong way and they were perceiving that I was doing things that were like um, detrimental to them or negative to them and their role even though I wasn't directly doing anything. It was just different styles. And this person didn't seem to be willing to extend as much charity or effort in my direction as I had attempted to do with them. And so there was just, you know, no, um, no real goal there. But it did help that we were able to see clarity in that kind of exercise, and we were actually able to talk about it. But all we ever really got to was a, a recognition that, like, we do things differently. And... I was able to accept that. I think the other person was trying to get to a place where they were trying to argue their way was the better way. And that is just not a helpful place. But I think when we recognize, is there a misunderstanding, we can seek clarity. You know, to be able to ask, like, you know, um, I'm just curious, is there something, you know, uh, that I did to offend you? Is there something, you know, um, that I could do differently? Is there a way I could communicate with you differently? In fact, there was a really good set of questions that I came across when you're you're building a new relationship. This was specifically in the workplace, but like I think it's good to know these things about anyone uh, because they help with a lot of misunderstandings. And they were, um, you know, what brings you joy and what, um, or I guess the, the better way to phrase it is what gives you energy and what depletes you? It's okay, what gives you energy and what depletes you? Um, what are your pet peeves? What is the best way to communicate with you? And that would depend on the relationship you're in with this person, the setting it is. If it's a workplace thing or if it's like a more intimate relationship, then that might take on a different phrasing, you know, but what's the best way to communicate with you? And then what is something about you that is often misunderstood by others? Or what's a, a mistaken assumption people often have about you? And I find if you know those things and you're able to express those things to other people, that you're in a relationship with or that you work with, so many uh, misunderstandings become clear. Like things just get resolved because you know like, oh, I'm doing something that actually depletes that person or I do a thing that is this person's pet peeve or I'm not communicating with them in the way that they desire to be communicated with or they don't know how I desire communication. They don't know that they're depleting my energy or doing my pet peeves. They are perceiving something that I think other people commonly misunderstand about me because of my personality style as something negative toward them, or I'm doing that, you know, and it can bring a lot of clarity to maybe just have like a, okay, real talk, like, let's like talk over lunch because I feel like there's some kind of tension here. Um, and I think we can maturely go about that to be able to say like, hey, I'd love to collaborate with you more. Um, I feel like maybe we got off on the wrong foot or I feel like there's been some tension with us in meetings. I just would love to just chat with you and clear that up because, you know, I would really love to work with you. I'd really love this relationship to work. You know, I really, you know, whatever it is. Or if it's a friend or family member, be like, look, like, I love you and I feel like our relationship isn't, you know, where it used to be or where it should be. And I feel like there's tension between us. And I just, I don't know, I just want to get together and talk and, you know, um, see how, how I can be better. You know, you never want to put it on the other person. We need to take onus and responsibility. Um, I came across a, a, a podcast, I think it's an Art of Manliness podcast, where um, I believe it was a woman who was talking about um, self-awareness and how most of us are far less self-aware than we think that we are. Uh, in fact, most of us are not self-aware about our level of self-awareness was the ironic thing. But she said, um, you know, she did something every year around her birthday. She got this from someone else. 
where she would um, ask, you know, what is something that I do or something about me that annoys you? And she'd ask it not of everyone, but of the people closest to her, because it would help her be able to see how other people perceive how she communicates, what she does, how she operates, and whether or not that was helpful or beneficial to other people or not. And things that she was probably putting out there that maybe were a common theme that were not helpful. And so it was a very clarifying experience for her uh, to be able to do that. And so I know this seems kind of like, I don't know, um, forced or very like, um, what's the word? Calculating, I guess. Like, it doesn't seem like these conversations would come up naturally. But I think if you ask like insightful questions and you're, you're setting a stage for an open conversation, even if it's someone who you have tension with, if you approach them in a charitable way and like, you know, kind of putting the onus on you, not on them. And just like, I would love to take, you know, some responsibility here and recognize, like, I don't think I've been communicating well with you. And I think it might just be that we're different and that I don't know you very well. And I'd love to get to know you more so I can collaborate with you better, work with you better, communicate with you better, whatever it is. Um, and then seeking those opportunities for self-awareness, you know, asking people insightful questions about that. Like, you know, how do you think other people perceive me? Um, what do you think is a common negative trait people would, would, um, would say about me? Now, you, you have to be careful when you're doing this. is not like – so I did this once when I heard about this. This was quite a few years ago now. I put it out on social media. I was just like, hey, you know, I'm curious. Like I was listening to a podcast that inspired me to ask this question. And I got people, you know, coming back at me like, are you sure you want to do this? Like and, – and that got me – that got me like considering like do people think that I'm like really um, like uh, – easy to uh, offend or like that I'm really, um, I don't know what the word is that I'm trying to think of, like really uh, easily breakable or something like that. Like, um, and so that was emotionally unstable, you know, or something like that. So uh, some people express concern. And then I had a lot of people close to me who don't know me super well, um, but who were close enough to me were like, you're great. Like, there's nothing wrong with you. You're awesome. You know, that could, all non-helpful stuff. I had one or two people who I like did not expect reach out and like say a lot. And I was like, wow, you know, you are carrying a lot of this and not even like fr current friends, but people who I used to know, you know, who I didn't realize like we're still carrying things from from ways I had acted toward them or, you know, uh, wh what have you. And then people who I really wanted to know that of, I asked either in person or like directly via text. I was like, hey, I, I'd really love to know this. Um, and that brought a lot of clarity. I think it was a lot of stuff I already knew and it, a lot of it agreed, you know, it's just like stuff where, you know, certain strengths of my personality, if I lean into them too much, it can kind of become a detriment, you know, a detrimental characteristic instead of a beneficial one. And I think every personality type has those. Um, but it brought a lot of clarity. So, um, but anyways, Asking ourselves when we feel these moments of discomfort, asking ourselves why. So is it because there was something morally wrong done? Seek forgiveness. If there's something that was misunderstood or miscommunicated, seek clarity. Or there's a misunderstanding between the two of you just in your very nature and the way that you operate, you know. And then lastly, I would ask, like, is this because there's jealousy here? You know, am I seeing something in the other person that I really desire? Do I think the other person is seeing something in me that they're threatened by? Um, how do I approach them in a non-threatening way? How do I include them? How do I solicit their feedback and take it seriously so they don't feel left out? You know, whatever it is, um, seeking uh, understanding and doing it with compassion. 
So I think those things like seeking forgiveness, clarity, understanding, doing it all with compassion, that will really help reconcile and, and bring more unity in your relationships and in my relationships. And always recognizing that, you know, we have to do all of this by being civil and kind. You know, going back to that Ephesians 4 passage, all bitterness, fury, anger, shouting, and reviling must be removed from you along with all malice. Like those things cannot characterize any of our conversations. And I will tell you, it's very difficult because when I have been in conversations with people with strong personalities who have strong opinions and I'm trying to be charitable, um, but I'm standing my ground on something that I feel like I need to, it can get heated. And it's, it's hard to not respond back at the same level someone is giving you. In fact, I have a lot of respect for people who can just receive very like vitriolic, angry, emotionally charged language or accusations toward them and keep their cool. It's not an easy thing to do. And I do not profess to be an expert at it. I think I've learned how to be better at it over time, but it comes with practice. And it's never going to come if we don't ask these questions. If we don't pay attention to these moments of discomfort and people who make us uncomfortable or people we have tension with, and we don't start asking why. Like, why is this rubbing me the wrong way? What conflict is there between us? What can I do about it? Have I done something wrong? Can I go reconcile? Have I misunderstood this person? Can I go encounter them or meet them? Start fresh. Am I jealous of something in that this other person displays? And how can I be more vulnerable in admitting that and admit my insecurity and maybe go affirm this person for that and apologize for the ways that I've exercised, you know, a negative behavior toward them because I'm threatened. You know, there's a lot of different ways that could go good or bad, you know, but I think the the intention is important and the desire to do it. How you do that depends on the context and the relationship, the setting, obviously. Um, but asking those, selves of our, uh, those things of ourselves first and then asking them of the other, you know, did this person do something wrong against me? Um, are they misunderstanding me? How can it be more clear? Are they jealous of me? Those things are harder to judge. They're only really going to come out if you, uh, you know, approach the person with love, with compassion, with civility and kindness and try and reconcile. But in the end, you have to remember, like I said, your job is not to please everyone. And so some people you just have to let go. Some people you just have to let not like you because it doesn't, it doesn't matter. We're not called to like everyone or have everyone like us. We are called to love everyone. Not everyone will love us. That's their free choice. Um, the person, though, we're called to ultimately follow and ultimately seek their approval is God. And that's the only approval that really matters in the end. You know, obviously we want it from our, our close family, the people we're in a relationship with. If you're married, obviously from your spouse. But, um, you know, we're broken. We're messed up. We do things that even those people may not approve of um, or may not understand. But if we're seeking the approval of God first and foremost, and we never let... Uh, the desire for approval of others circumvent that or even get in the way in the first place, I think we'll be far happier. Yes, we may um, not have as many people around us, you know, but the people who are around us will be solid. They'll be true. They'll be people who we have really valuable and intentional relationships with who understand us, who can be honest with us and we can be honest with them. The rest of, of the people, you know, we, we can pray for them. And so these people who have blown up at me in the past or who misunderstand me or who I know don't like me very much, uh, past and present, um, I pray for them every day. And I desire that they would know peace. I desire that if there is something going on in their life to cause them to react the way that they are, that there would be healing and restoration there. I pray for you know asking forgiveness for the ways that I've contributed to that in any intentional or unintentional way. And um, you know I pray for unity and reconciliation. But if that doesn't come, I know ultimately 
all will be unified and restored who get to heaven. And so my ultimate goal is to get to heaven because some of this is not going to happen here. And I, I think probably most of it won't because we live in a fallen world. But I think we can contribute substantially to just a better overall situation in all of our relationships by kind of reflecting on these things and putting them into practice. So I hope that's a benefit to you. Something that's been on my heart today was not at all what I was planning on talking about, but um, Holy Spirit leads where the Holy Spirit leads. And I know um, all of us probably have a person out there that irks us and uh, probably have to admit that because we have one of those, it's very likely that uh, there's a person out there who we irk, whether we want to admit it or not. And so it's a two-way street, and so let's do what we can to be reconciled to those and bring unity to those who we have tension with, to try and understand those who irk us uh, a little bit better, and uh, to try and um, just be better overall and seek forgiveness, clarity, and understanding in all that we do. That's all I have for you. So until next time, I will see you in the Eucharist. God bless. God bless.